This is the part where I give the sermon and everybody's really quiet and interested. <laughs> Happen. So tonight is the 18th. Tonight is the 18th day of the counting of the Omer. I know, you guys have all been counting it every single day. I just thought I'd remind you. Um, what I didn't know until this morning was that, of course, there is an iPhone app <laughs> called Omer Counter. And I want you to download it because it's Jewish, but it's free. Okay? <laughs> you don't even have to give tzedakah for it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay, because it's not that obscure, but if you haven't counted the Omer your whole life, you might not know that between the second night of Pesach and Shavuot, there are 49 days. And then on the 50th day is Shavuot, one of the three pilgrimage festivals, as is Pesach. And on that 50th day, we celebrate the giving of the Torah and the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. And unlike the way that in this country, we count, we count down, right? You count 10, 9, 8... We count up as Jews. We're always looking forward. We're being hopeful. And so we start counting the first night of the second day of Pesach, and we count for 49 days. So at the end of my short drash, I'm going to have everybody fulfill the obligation of counting the Omer with me on the 18th day. Who here has never counted the Omer before? Wow. Okay, so then we should probably say Shechianu too, and I'll teach something from the Talmud about it. And then um, last year we brought the Homer Omer calendar. It was from The Simpsons, and I'm not kidding. It's, it's, and it's still online. It's very interesting. So we do, count, we do count during these 49 days, and something very important, in fact, three very important holidays happen during the counting. And the first one happens, and it's not uh, a happy holiday. It's an observance. Yom HaShoah, which is the Remembrance Day for the Shoah, for the Holocaust, happened on Monday. And on um, Sunday night, there was a community gathering for it. And then very quickly after that, we have Yom HaZikaron, which is this coming week. And the day after Yom HaZikaron, which is Israel's Memorial Day, which is the day um, that we commemorate people who were lost soldiers, fallen soldiers, and victim of, victims of terror. The day after that incredibly sad day um, in Israel, what's the next day? Yom HaAtzmut, which is Israel Independence Day. And so we go from a time where, there is, where we remember six million lost to a time of thinking about the Israeli soldiers or people who are victims of terror in the Middle East, to a time of joy, to a time of hope, tikva. And I remark upon this because on Sunday, right before the Yom HaShoah observance, we were teaching the fifth and sixth grade families all about the Soviet Jewish emigre experience to the United States. And the night before, when I was gathering all of my information, I was thinking about the fact that a lot of us came from somewhere else. So maybe not you, but for one second, raise your hand if your grandparents or your great-grandparents came from somewhere else. Okay, so now turn to somebody you didn't come with and say to them, my grandmother or my great-grandmother or great-grandfather came from, and just turn and say the name of that country to somebody next to you. Okay, 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 shh, 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 I said, I said, shh, that was stupid of me. I said the country, and people are, like, finding out the same street that their great-grandparents lived on in a little 
town in Krakow. So that buzz in the room about where, where we all came from means that most people here, I would hazard a guess, did not have anybody in their family who came over on the Mayflower, correct? Most of us came from places outside either in Eastern or Western Europe. Some of us are Mizrahi Jews um, from Morocco, Sephardi Jews. But when I did the research to talk about the modern Soviet Jewish experience, the night before I did the research, oh, there's one of the teachers from Beyachad right there who taught with me That's on Sunday. It's fabulous. So you already know what I'm going to say, but shh. So I did this research, and I thought about the fact that my family came from Kerch, a tiny um, city on the Black Sea of Russia, uh, around 1900. And then I thought of all the people that I know who came over in the wave in the 1970s and 80s, a lot of whom settled in San Francisco. And I thought back to what my experience was like in the 70s and 80s as a kid. Did I know about Soviet Jews? And in fact, I did. And in fact, from my bat mitzvah in 1979, I wore a bracelet with a refusenik's name on it. And a refusenik was a Soviet Jew who was not able to leave the former Soviet Union. And this was a man who, um, whose name I wore on my wrist every single day, probably five, six, seven years, and I don't remember what happened to the bracelet. And on last Saturday night, I couldn't remember his name. I mean, it was only three or four years ago, my bat mitzvah. <laughs> and I kept thinking, I bet if I go backward in time, I could find his name. Because I kind of lost his story, but I remember how powerful it was thinking that all over the world, Jews were wearing these bracelets with these people's names on it that we didn't know, but we knew that somehow we were praying and we were working and we were marching together so that they could be free just like we were free just like our ancestors who maybe came over 70 or 80 years or 100 years before, but they were still trapped in the former Soviet Union. And so I just sat there in front of my computer and closed my eyes, and Leonid, I got the first name, Leonid. And I thought, if I could get the first name, I could probably fathom, like, somewhere in my brain is his last name. And so I went back, and I thought, Leonid, Kelbert. Leonid Kelbert, where, where did he go? I knew that he was in Leningrad. I knew he couldn't get out of the former Soviet Union. And did he, did he get out? Now, when I was 13, and my bat mitzvah was 1979, and I dedicated my bat mitzvah to him, a refusenik who, like, I didn't even know really where Russia was at the time. I just knew it was far away. And our people wanted to get out. And I was wearing a bracelet. So, thank God for the internet. What did I do on Saturday night? I Google stalked Leonid Kelbert. <laughs> and here's the hatikva moment. Here's the hopeful moment about the future, which is, indeed, after he was arrested and he was um, put into labor camp, and there's pictures on the web of him coming out of labor camp, he and his wife, Marsha, made it to Tel Aviv from Leningrad. And he was a very well-known dissident uh, documentary filmmaker. And when he came to Tel Aviv, he produced and directed films about his experience in the former Soviet Union as a refusenik. So next time I go to Tel Aviv, guess who I'm looking up? Yeah. I'm sure he's going to recognize me, right? <laughs> I was the one of 7,000 Jewish teenagers who wore your name on my bracelet. But it makes me think about um, how little separation there really is between us and them. And there really isn't that much um, us and them. And when I went to um, Ellis Island with my kids... I don't know if you've ever done this. I was able to go and look up the manifest 
the ship's manifest that my family was on. It was called the Wilhelm de Kaiser. And I looked through the manifest. It was on microfiche, which was advanced at that time. And you could actually see the names handwritten of all of the immigrants who were coming over on the boat from Russia. And so I scanned down, and I saw my family's names in my great-grandfather's handwriting. Wrote it. All seven kids, my great-grandfather and my great-grandmother's name. And I thought, that's incredible. That link that we have between where our families came from, wherever they were in the world, to where we are today. And then I thought about the fact that there's still people. So a lot of Soviet Jews got out, but we live in California. And we have a lot of freedom that we take for granted. When there are 11 million immigrants to this country who are not citizens, 11 million undocumented immigrants who cannot be, become citizens. So what I want you to do um, at some point during... Um, not Shabbat, but on Sunday, is I want you to get online and go to a fabulous website, which is called entrydenied.org, entrydenied. And what they have you do is they have you go back and they have you find one of your ancestors and you plug in all the information about the ancestor that basically came over here and made it possible for you to be sitting right here and practicing Judaism as a free American. Um, and they will tell you if that person would be able to come to this country today. So I went back and I looked up my family from Russia, my family from Poland, and my family from Germany. And guess what? If the immigration laws were the same in the 1900s as they are today, I would not be standing here. And I would say 95% of you wouldn't be sitting here. And here we are again. So I don't want to bum you out on Shabbat because I told you it was going to be hopeful. The hopeful part is that there's a lot of work for us to do and that rabbis and congregations all over California have joined together in something called Reform CA, Reform California, to work specifically on immigration reform. And we look back to Pesach, and we think about the mitzvah that is mentioned over and over and over again, about remembering that we were strangers in a strange land. And we don't have to go all the way back to Egypt. We can just think about our own ancestors or anybody in our lives now who were former Soviet emigres who came here and now live freely as Jews, to think about the obligation that we have because somebody stood up for us, and we knew we could count on somebody in our ancestry. They counted on somebody to get to this land. And now I think there's people who need to count on us, the Jews, to stand up for them. And I think there's many ways that we can. So stay tuned for the ways that we can count and be counted on. And now I'm going to ask you to turn to page 100, I'm sorry, 278, because we're going to count the Omer together. So every single day that you count the Omer, you count it right before the Elenu, and then we're going to go into the Elenu. And today is the 18th day, which is also a very hopeful day. Why? L'chaim. That's right. So it's a very hopeful day. So we are going to um, do this together. So if you'll um, say with me in the Hebrew, Hinani muhan umzuman lekayem mitzvat asay shel svirat haomer, and we say the blessing together. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kidshanu B'mitzvotav V'tzivanu Al Sfirat HaOmer And then at the bottom it says Hayom Shmona Esrei That's the 18th Shehem Shtei Shvuot So two weeks V'arba Yamim LaOmer Four days So two weeks and four days Makes 18 days And so how many people said it was the first time they ever counted the Omer? 
Okay, so we should say Shechianu if it's your first time. Baruch atadunai Eloheinu melech haolam, Shechianu v'kiyamanu v'higianu lazman hazeh. Amen.